0: Hey, if you're here, you're in the right place. I'm Tyler Freeland, and welcome to the Brand X Cleveland podcast, a forum where expert voices come together, united for one purpose, to help businesses and causes survive, and ultimately find success through crisis. And we have a little bit of fun along the way. You can find this episode, as well as previous episodes, at BrandXCleveland.com. That's BrandXCleveland.com. On this episode of the Brand X podcast, myself and Charlene sat down with Jeff Yaw, Senior Director and Producer at Think Media Studios. Honestly, we covered a lot of shit. He took us to his beginnings, he took us to Africa, life on set, through the camera, and everywhere in between. I had a great time, I know Charlene had a great time, and we think he will too. Here is Jeff Yaw on the brand scene.
1: My name is Jeff Yaw, I'm a Senior Director Producer at Think Media Studios. The first film that comes to mind is a movie by Terry Gilliam called *Time Bandits*.
0: Okay. What got you into video production, or as some call it, I guess filmmaking? It's always weird because you don't know if so somebody, we call it if we're gonna call it a movie or if it's gonna be called a film. But anyway, no. where does your where does your story begin? It depends on if you're a. Pinky
1: out, if I'm in a pinky out kind of mood, whether I go filmmaking, video production, it's making, you know, uh, making moving images and making stories out of them is something that I always messed around with. And uh, I was in bands through most of the 90s. Sorry, I've aged myself. And I would make music videos for my friends' bands and things like okay. that. So it was always something that I messed around with. And when I was in my late 20s, I decided that it was something that I, that I wanted to pursue as a career. So I went back to school to sort of learn all the things that I didn't already know. And that's sort of my entry into this
0: as a career. Was it just <clears throat> any, any type of video or did you have a particular pursuit? I mean, it's funny because what you aim for
1: when you start to do, you know, it's like this thing where you do something that you love and then you start doing it for money. And that somehow that thing sort of, it's kind of changes things. And also when you start to do it for money, you start to get exposed to elements of it that you, didn't, that you weren't aware of previously. Uh-huh. So, you know, myself in film school as someone in their late 20s, I wanted to be the next David Lynch. You know, those are the films that really inspired me. Mm -hmm. You know, avant garde, you know, oddball culture is something that I'm still very interested in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that was really my goal then. I still have, you know, these days, I, I, you know, I'm a commercial director. That's what I spend the most of my time doing. And had you asked me back then if that's something that I thought I would be fulfilled by, I would have said no. Mm -hmm. But it's really, for for better or worse, it has the thing, it it is the thing that, um, you know, really sort of surprisingly, I enjoy a lot and I get a lot of
0: satisfaction from. Well, what's driving you now that maybe was different back then that was driving you?
1: I mean, honestly, my honest answer to that question is actually understanding the form a bit better. You know, when Mm -hmm. you go from somebody who is a hobbyist who's doing stuff for their friends mm-hmm. to entering the profession, you learn, you know, I've made feature length films and I understand well, how big of an undertaking that is. That doesn't mean I dislike it, but I, but what I like about uh, directing commercials in short form is you don't have to invest years of your life in it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that might be counterintuitive. I think it's probably very attractive for some people to say, well, I've got this one project And I'm going to devote every ounce of my energy into something that's going to take two years to, you know, from start to finish, sometimes longer, oftentimes longer. You know, the realities for me have been not have not been that, you know, it's usually Mm -hmm. when I'm in a long form project like that, I'm also having to tend to several other projects. Right. And that can become a grind it's a fulfilling grind but it's a grind nonetheless so the thing that you know to answer your question directly the thing that drives me and the thing that keeps me in in this particular zone of the game is the ability to drop into a project care deeply about it really pour myself into it but there's also a very distinct light at the end of the tunnel where i go i have a deliverable date this thing has an air date and it's you know Five weeks from now, six weeks from now, but I but I can see it. It's right there and it's real, and I must be done by then.
0: Do you do what about video production outside of work? Do you do you carry this as a hobby still?
1: You know, it's funny. I, I I've been doing this. I've been doing this professionally for I guess sixteen years now, and uh, my the answer to the question is yes. Much less so than I did when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just life, you know, life, life stuff gets in the way. But I, I always have, you know, I hesitate to say always, but I usually have a passion project, you know, but it's funny. My most recent passion project was a podcast and what had nothing to do with video, but it was uh-huh. still storytelling. And that's... You know, it sounds trite and it's very cliche, but you know, when you do what I do, you better love to tell stories in a bunch of different ways. Right. And you know, that's, that's what it's about for me.
0: From right from a writing perspective, I struggle sometimes, like I don't want to write after work. It's like a, maybe a barber doesn't want to cut hair after work either, or a postman yeah. doesn't want to deliver someone's neighbor's mail that was yeah. dropped off to them. So I what find is- that as a struggle sometimes.
1: Yeah. It's the, what is the adage of the cobbler's, the cobbler's children have no shoes. You know, it's people, when I go on vacation, I'm always, you know, you run into people that have like a huge camera kit and like multiple lenses. and Mm -hmm. And that's not me. I take, you know, when, when I'm, when I'm doing things for leisure, I'll always have a camera, but you know, I'm selectively pulling it out. I'm not, Shutterbugging the crap out of everything within an inch of its life—that's not me. Because I spend so much of my life worrying about: Did we get the shot? We have to yeah. get the shot. We're chasing the shot. The 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 situation must be perfect in order for me to get the shot. That when I'm not working, I, you know, sometimes you have to check out and remove yourself from that mindset.
0: All right. So getting into actual think now, and maybe bring Charlene in here too. So why did you join the Think Media team?
1: I, I, I'll try to keep the story as short as possible. I was working as a field producer for a reality TV uh, property in the early 2000s. And I met my wife here in Cleveland. And I was living on the road at that time. So all of my stuff kind of migrated to Cleveland. Instead of going mm-hmm. home to Phoenix, which is where I was living at the time, I started just coming, quote unquote, home to that, my then girlfriend's place. Mm-hmm. When that opportunity ended after three years, I had to decide, was I gonna leave? Was I gonna move to Los Angeles or some, some other place or New York? Shut. Or try to stick it out. About a, I was about a week away from telling my then girlfriend that I needed to leave because I couldn't find a place that I wanted to be here in Cleveland. I met Brian Glaze and the founder of Link Media Studios. And uh, at that point, it was a, a two person organization. And our goals aligned. I liked the idea of of you know getting in on on a young company where I could use my past experiences in leadership and things like that to help a thing grow, so that is how I come to be in Cleveland and that is how I come to have you know i've I'm going on fourteen years at think Media Studios I think at this point so yeah that's that's my story I'm sticking to it
0: I love it and what makes think different than other uh, video production firms. And then, Charlene, you can chime in on this as well.
1: Yeah, I think as I mean, in a lot of ways, I think the thing where we stand out the biggest and it's a thing that we've always stood on, again, for better or worse, we only do video. We, we, we don't do stills, we don't do, we're, we're not the people to come to to make a website we stay in the lane of the thing that we know best. And I think the thing that separates us from many others in Cleveland is we are very serious about original content. We are very serious about telling stories in a way that is as cinematic as it can be. Again, super cliche, super trite. But, you know, when you're building a company, you have to find what your true north is. And that yeah. really is our true north. I mean, there's, probably, there's a lot of people along the way that have, that have said to us, and they weren't wrong. Hey, you know, you guys, why, you're leaving so much money on the table by not dealing with still photography. You're leaving so much money on the table by not doing X, Y, and Z. All mm-hmm. of those things are true. You know, and who knows what the future holds. But, you know, for the 15 years that the company's been in, in business, mm-hmm we've just decided that, you know, we, we do video. That's what we do. That's what I think people come to us for. And hopefully they're comforted or, you know, that, that is a selling point to them where they can, you know, they know that these folks right. take this one discipline very seriously, almost like if you've ever seen the movie, Girl uh, of Sushi. It's a, it's a Japanese guy that is obsessive about sushi and like has Mm -hmm. dedicated his life to it. And it's a very specific thing that he does. And he is the best in the world at it. So much so that somebody made a feature length documentary about this man who makes sushi. Um, Yeah. So it's, it's kind of our approach.
2: And I guess from the twist side, I would say, well, it's a couple different things. One, the fact that you guys do only do video and you do it the best out of anyone in Cleveland, in my opinion. And we've worked with other video production firms, but two, it's really a relationship and it's a partnership. So it's a good give and take. It's not Jeff on set saying, this is the way I want to shoot it. And this is what we're doing. And you guys have no say, even though it's our client, it's definitely a back and forth and a conversation. And we bring ideas to the table. The think team brings ideas to the table. I personally also love that Jeff and many of the team members are also producers, which is super rare to have someone like Jeff that's a producer and a director and to understand all the nuances that could go into uh, a film or a commercial and all the potential issues that the client could be worried about as someone that's the client side person often having to respond to those issues. And just no. having that kind of that thought process behind it. And also the fact that like they're just good people to work with. I don't think we've ever had a real issue at all. We figure out how to work around budget. We tell each other what's possible and what's not possible. And it's just fun to be on set with them most days. Most
1: days. Except for when I'm hang oh, except for when I'm hungry and things
2: good. Yeah, that's day two, all, as I like to call bets, it.
0: All bets are off.
2: Day two. Yeah,
0: let's get into that right now, because I was going to ask that
2: Day question two. 50. Day two, between the hours of 11 a.m. and 2 p.m., we may have not gotten the shot yet that we want. We may be behind schedule. I may have asked for something Jeff didn't plan on, and then he's hangry, and it's just stay away for a couple hours. Put someone else in the middle of it.
0: An army um, marches on its stomach.
2: Listen... Not- your wife I, agreed by, by, with me.
1: By the way, I disagree 100% with this characterization that's being put out there right now.
2: Um, your wife agreed with me on this. She, too, has experienced angry Jeff.
1: Yes, many times.
2: And you have to have certain snacks on set to be prepared.
1: Oh, my goodness. Uh, am I allowed to curse? Because see, that, is, that is that is bullshit. I do not require
0: yeah. certain snacks. That's horseshit. You know, only, like, red jelly beans or only blue M&M's kind of thing? Please, please, please tell us, Charlie, what these
1: special snacks are that I require. You
2: like <laughs> to have a granola bar available? Some sort of granola bar needs to be in the craft services area. True, Jack. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. There are certain chips that I've seen you go after. There has but to also be, though, like something sweet.
1: But it's not as though I travel with a writer where i'm like these are the snack these are the snacks i require
2: that's no but your producers
1: now you just listed granola bars and chips which are two things that you would find on any dang
0: video set on the planet and the plano and a ball cap is that a thing too sure yeah i like listen we're talking about my wife a lot here which
1: is fine (laughs) but uh there are time, there are times where i am times of the year where I am forbidden to buy quote-unquote another plaid shirt I do I do like patterns Uh, I own a lot of them and uh, the hat is uh, I I am a bald man and
0: uh, I'm getting there dude
1: for those who have never seen me before I have no hair and uh, it is both a warmth and sun protection thing but I embrace I embrace my baldness. I don't, it's not, it's not a, I don't do the Ron Howard, where I'm trying to make you believe that I actually oh. have hair under this, under this hat. I, uh,
0: I, I, I am a proud bald man.
2: You don't always wear the hat though.
0: Yeah, no, it depends. Let's get back to the, some memorable, more memories, I guess. But particularly, Jeff, for this question, what is your most memorable production or one that you feel made the most impact on you or the audience it was developed for?
1: Yeah, the first, I mean, I have a lot of answers to that question, but the, one that's the, most, the one that's the most accessible to me in this moment is the first, the first feature. You know, I, I, I love documentaries. Any feature mm-hmm. film that, that I've directed has been documentary. Still have yet to, to direct a scripted feature. The first documentary I ever made is called mm-hmm. King Me. Currently available on iTunes for your listeners.
0: Um, okay, first plug in on the Brand X podcast. First plug. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm plugging it out, guys. So, it, uh, you know, it, it
1: required the the, care, the 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 protagonist in King Me is is a uh, black South African township resident who's trying to become the world champion of checkers. Huh? Which sound which sounds like a ridiculous pursuit, but but uh, in the life. Of a uh, disenfranchised guy who who lives in not the best of circumstances in a country like south Africa meant, mm-hmm. it meant it it meant everything to him and uh, just the experience of traveling there with a very small crew playing the role of producer director you know it's it's exotic it's Africa i'm entering the life of somebody who i you know, previous to that, could not to relate to their life in any way, shape, or form uh, had a tremendous impact on me oh. and uh, yeah so that 's the one that stands out as like the first moment. It was really also my first moment when I, where I went from film film school student to you know fast forward five I think it was probably like seven years, eight years after I, I had left <coughs> school to do this and started to do this for a living. And um, where I was like, oh, okay, I'm doing the thing that I set out to do. I'm that's, a, that's such a good feeling. Oh, it was incredible. You land, you know, I've got, you land in the Johannesburg airport and get yeah. met by, uh, you know, a, a fixer who's going to keep myself and my crew from, you know, getting into any sort of trouble that you might get into in, in, in a foreign country like that. And you're like, all right, well, I guess I'm doing this thing now. It's pretty cool. My, oh, makes my chin quiver a little bit just talking about it.
0: <laughs> what is one that is most memorable? A production that, that you guys have worked together on.
2: Oh, hmm.
0: You go first, Char.
2: I yeah, I'm I'm thinking, and Jeff's the only one allowed to call me Shar for the record.
0: Sorry, Charlene. Excuse no, me. No, it's
2: fine. Now it's out there. It's fine.
0: <laughs> it's okay. I call um, her Cheryl sometimes.
2: No, no, that's okay.
0: And, um, you know,
2: I would say. There's two that come to mind. Our second original mattress factory shoot, which was a killer, and poor Jeff really dealt with a lot on that shoot, but it was just super fun. It was what a like fifteen hour day or something ridiculous like that for everybody, but really happy with the outcome because it was an idea that we were we couldn't figure out how the hell we were going to pull it off, especially in one day when it should have been like, what? a three day shoot probably with that number of sets and Yeah, yeah, so so we pulled it off and it was just a fun shoot day. And by that point too, I felt like we knew each other a lot better. So it was easier to have fun on set. Um, Or I would say any of the ones that we've done for one of our recent clients that are kind of documentary style where we're telling real stories and just Mm -hmm. to see how excited the client gets about everyone that we shoot. I feel like every time we send a version over, I get a text that's like, this is better than the first one. And the first one they were blown away by. And we were not thinking it was like, not that it wasn't great. It was great, Jeff, but it was a turnaround in a couple hours. Oh, and,
1: you're talking, yeah I, I yeah, I know what you're talking about, yeah.
2: Yeah, our documentary series that we're doing for a client. And the first one was great, but again, it was a quick turnaround. It wasn't finished. We hadn't picked music and you would have thought we like changed their life. They were so happy. I was getting called. Every places. day was like that. Yeah. I was right. at, like, Heinen's getting phone calls of how great Jeff was. And I was like, great, I'm going to have to deal with this bromance now for the rest of my life. And I am. So, yeah, I would say any of those.
0: Is there a big difference between the first time you two worked together on set and then now?
2: I'll probably annoy yeah. Jeff a lot more.
1: I, I, I wouldn't say. I mean, it's one of those things where, and this is where we can sort of get into, you know, kind of, the relationship between you know an ad agency and and, and producing partners or production companies, or whatever you want to say, because mm-hmm. because it's funny, Charlene. My if you go with that particular client, Original Mattress Factory, I remember the first shoot more than the second, the first the first mm-hmm. campaign more than the second, but it was because it's more memorable because I really didn't know the organization that well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had that you have that tension where if you I mean listen, every all directors are wired differently, all agency folks are wired differently. I am very much, you know, my sets, despite despite the picture that Charlene has painted previously, <laughs> I try very hard to make sure that I set a proper tone for a set. Mm-hmm. And that that tone is we're gonna get this day done. We're all going to care a whole lot about what we're doing, but uh-huh. we're going to be but we're going to be nice to each other in the process. Mm-hmm. It's very important mm-hmm. to me because I know that a set can be it's a difficult place. there's a lot going on there's a lot of there's a lot of personalities, there's a lot of work to be done and it's it's just important that we be it, it's, I, I see it as as important that the people that are on them that, that set strike a balance between having it be a kind atmosphere where people are actually right. enjoying themselves. Because when you sap that joy, when that joy disappears, when that camaraderie disappears, it's just a bummer for everybody. And I've yeah. certainly been on my share of sets where there's somebody who's really upsetting that tone. So that first, that first campaign that we did with you guys, you know, we're inside a house, there's children, there's animals, there's all the things that people tell you not to work with.
2: And it's 90 some degrees.
1: It's hot as heck.
2: Yeah. yeah huh. It's
1: just a gnarly environment. But I remember it as being positive because it, it was, because my nerves were there. It's first time with a new agency client, first time right. with a new client client. So part of, you know, if you're me, if you have my job, it's, you know, job one is make sure you get good stuff. But job two, it really is, make sure that the folks that have that are writing the check that are paying for this thing, you know, are pleased. And also, and people don't talk about this, having a decent time. Like, it's important that the idea that you be a good hang on some level is kind of important. I mean, and everybody, all directors have their own approach. Listen, there are very successful, very successful commercial directors whose reputations are, they're tyrannical, they throw things, they scream at people. I don't fault that because everybody has their own process and, and, and I'm not gonna say what, what's, what's good or bad. I just know it works for me and I require that kind of atmosphere. And, you know, as a director, I have a big part in setting that tone and making sure that that tone remains.
2: So that shoot, what I remember is being super stressed out because I talked Mike into letting us hire Think because we had worked with a previous film company and Think's VP of marketing, I think is Mary's title. And I are very good friends and we wanted to work together. So we made it happen. And I remember Mike leaving on the second day and he was like, no, I'm good. I trust Jeff. And I had never experienced that from Mike before, where he was just like, no, I don't need to come back tomorrow. You guys got this. Um, And he was so thrilled. Like, when I was sending him screenshots, he's like, this is the shot I wanted, the baby feet shot. Mm -hmm. The infamous baby feet shot that Mm -hmm. we had to get with the beautiful light shining in. And I also remember how great craft services were that day, those three days. Like, Brian went all out that day on craft service. We had themed days.
0: So you're looking, or Jeff, you're looking... Through the lens of of the camera, you're looking through, with that eye, and then Charlene's looking with the eye of the client. Is that where an op- one of the biggest obstacles are? Yeah, I mean, listen if i've if I've done my job in
1: collaboration with with you know Charlene, Mike, yourself, uh, you know the creatives at the agency, there shouldn't be a whole lot of surprises on a on a on a set like that. You know, the surprises so. Yeah, of course. I always have to have the end like, you know, my, my true north when I'm directing is I need to make sure that the finished product is going to be the best that it can be. Like, again, right. that's job number one. I have to do what I have to do to get to that. Um, worrying about and if I'm doing that, you know, the client is generally happy. Do, do people make requests that are difficult at times? Yes. Do mm-hmm. people get ideas in the moment that sometimes might divert you? Absolutely, it happens every mm-hmm. dang time. It's just part of the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so you take those as a come. So Tyler, I apologize. I'm not very good at answering questions in a direct way.
0: Um, you're I'm doing a great do- job. You're yeah, to- I mean, you're, you're supposed to go parenthetical, or If, if you will, yeah.
1: Okay, cool. So all of that is a, is a means by which like, like I have to be true to what, I mean, people are hiring me for my taste and my aesthetic and my ideas, right? So I have, to be, I have to be true to those first and then get mixed into that is, are the people that are paying me to do this satisfied with what I'm doing? And if they're not, right. I have to stop and listen and collaborate with them on ways in which I can get it to there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, if I'm doing it right, they shouldn't be surprised by what it is they're seeing in the monitor. You know, the trouble comes when you have people on set that don't realize that there are moments that are going to happen on the monitor that I know will never get used but there's a moment that's gonna happen five seconds later that is gonna be the perfect thing. Yeah. And, it's, and it's getting folks into that mode where it's like, hey, you're gonna see some stuff that you really don't like. Guess what? Yeah. I don't like it either, but they lead me to a thing, okay. you know what I mean? So cool. there's, there's definitely that. Kind of. Okay. And that's where Charlene, that's where someone who's plays Charlene role really comes in because she is oftentimes at the monitor with the client talking them down from whatever ledge they may be on and and that that role to me is vital it's it's crucial like you Mm -hmm. know someone like charlene and someone like charlene they're my ride or dies in moments like that because you know just for that reason like it's charlene would you agree it's a real mixed bag level levels of experience and sophistication when it comes to being on set right
2: right it's also very weird when you say my full name for the record i feel like i'm getting in trouble (laughs) i would say it's like two things well one our kind of philosophy from the twist perspective on account services is no surprises so before we go into a shoot, a client knows exactly what's going to happen. We have a pre-pro meeting, we have a schedule, we have a book that we walk them through. Now, things like our documentary, we have a lot of things that are up in the air. We didn't know one of the interviews was not going to be a great interview. He was very hard and Jeff had to spend a lot of time to get one nugget out that we needed. That so was probably like an hour and a half interview compared to the others that were what, 30 minutes, if that. But having that kind of relationship with clients, too, and building that relationship. You know, our first shoot with OMF, they were super nervous. But the second shoot, they were, like, hanging out, relaxing, okay. dancing along with my playlist. Not really paying a whole lot of attention to the point of where I kept having to bring them over to the monitor and be like, do you guys want to see the shot that Jeff's getting? Like, this is a great shot okay. of the product.
0: That's um, some comfortability right there.
2: Yeah, and I would say the same thing with the group that we're shooting with right now or have been over the last, what, year and a half, two years that we've been working with them. They know exactly what the shoot's going to be like now after we got through the first couple. They know the issues that could come up. We've experienced a rough interview along the way. They also know that they're going to bring, like, we know that they're going to bring ideas to the table and they're going to say, remember that one shot that looked like this? And we might need to show them that in the edit, Mm -hmm. even though we may not want to right then they can see what works and what doesn't work and sometimes it does work and that's part of the collaboration too and jeff has said to them that was a great idea perfect let's move on and they also are very well now they are much more experienced on set and knowing okay we're gonna stay away wait till we wrap up this part then bring ideas to the table and then that's my job to say okay well here's why that's not gonna work for x y and z reasons or jeff has a plan to get that later on And here's where it is in the schedule and walk them through that and kind of handhold them a little bit through the process.
1: Yeah. It's my, my school of thought is there are no bad ideas. You know, if someone Uh has an idea and I don't really, and it's, and and I've been told that I'm unusual in this regard because you are, I don't care who it is. It, It could be really, you know, there are times when I'd rather not, field ideas and it's just because I'm busy doing something else that's vital to keeping the day moving yeah but even my even my crew knows this about me it's like if you have an idea if you have something that you think might be able to make this situation better yeah by all means tell me that's awesome I I don't know if it's awesome it gives me a headache sometimes but no that takes
0: I think it takes a lot I think it's different
1: yeah, it's funny, like you mentioned, Charlene, the, the idea that you would need to walk somebody to the monitor and, and invite them to see what was happening because it's probably the, the, the worst ke- or the, the best kept secret is being on set is incredibly boring if you're not like fully engaged and you know, whether you're gaffing, yeah. gripping, pushing a dolly, you know, director of photography or whatever, to watch a set, man, that's boring and I've done it. It's Super really boring. boring
2: super boring and your feet end up hurting because you're just standing the whole time doing mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. I think one, wasn't there a shoot where I left because I got so, bo- oh, it was the drone shoot in California. I was like, screw this, yeah. I'm leaving. I'm going to say- I hope I don't end
0: up on one then.
2: Day, that was the second day, that was boring. The day before was super fun. That was when we were all drinking, well, we weren't all drinking at lunch. The client and I was drinking at lunch and having a good time.
0: It might help things. I'm boring, I don't day drink.
2: No. Well, you still oh. had a whole spot to shoot that afternoon.
0: Yeah, we had a whole half of a day to go.
2: Yeah, that's when I kept having to remind the client, like, we, I still need your feedback on this.
0: That's not boring. That's responsible, Jeff. It's good.
2: Well, the client True. was like, just got this. Why do I need it? I can have my bourbon slushie. It's fine. I feel like
1: there may, but, have, uh, been multi- well, there may have been multiple bourbon slushies going on that day.
2: There were like six at lunch, and then some beers, and then there were tequila shots at dinner. Which you skipped out on that dinner because you were done peopling by that point.
1: Yeah, that's sort of the downside of my personality. I am really a classic extroverted introvert. On On a set day, and again, my wife knows this very well, if I'm working locally in town... If I'm shooting, I'm going to come home and stare at a wall for several hours and <laughs> not be a very
0: good conversation partner yeah. because it, take, it, take, it takes a lot of time. This episode's Brand X Partner Spotlight goes out to Hey Ya, a strategic and experienced web developer that offers a variety of digital services, consulting, user experience and design, product development, as well as coaching and training. If you want a website for your business or you're trying to refurbish on one, you need to go to Sam sherwood at heyya.llc. That's heyya.lc. He's the best in Cleveland, hands down. So I heard a quote the other day, or I, I think I read it somewhere, and somebody was saying, it's not that you know good advertising when you see it, you know good advertising when you feel it. And I was just wondering what that means to you especially from a film perspective.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, I mean, I just got off a, a call where we talked about that very thing,
2: hmm. where
1: it's, you know, and what that statement really saying is, good adver- to me, good advertising leaves you, you know, you're, le- you're, you're leaving, to, to, to use an expression, you leave, you leave that experience feeling a certain kind of way. And when it comes to advertising, you want to feel that certain kind of way about a brand, right? That's mm-hmm. what we're talking about, advertising. Sure. And it's not necessarily one particular visual always. It's not, it's not the music track that was selected. And sometimes it is just that, but you know, we're talking about moving images and and you know, video and film and what the thing that attracts most people to, to using this medium is that it brings together pretty much all of, all of, you know, a bunch of different art forms.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, it's visual photography, graphic design, sound design, music. It's all these things working in concert mm-hmm. and it makes it powerful. Also it makes it really difficult to do well. It's really easy to make a shitty commercial. It's exceedingly easy to do that. It's really hard to make something that people remember and make, make them feel something for, you know, this, the brand that you're doing it for.
2: Do you remember, gosh, this was probably like, what, two years ago. Mm, yeah. Two years ago when we were first working with the, the client who we're working with now that we did the documentary series for, and he was like so ecstatic. Cause he's like, I finally feel something for our brand. And every time we've shot one of the documentaries, he has said something similar to me after he sees the, like, after he sees the first draft. It's not even, like, when it gets to final, it's right afterwards, he's like, I finally feel something for this brand. This is the brand, this is the way I want the brand to feel to people.
0: Yeah, good, that's good. Do you think, well, on that note, do you think video is more effective than other forms of advertisement? yeah I mean, my answer is
1: no. I mean, I've seen really stunning, you know there's really I mean Twist produces quite a quite a large quantity, uh, and, and I'm not that's not you know this has somehow become like a big back padding session, but you know I, I, you know what, what I, I believe what I'm saying. it's images, layout, art design, you know, the kind of things that you can do with a still image. There's a lot of things you can do with a, with a thing that doesn't move that you can't do with a thing that does move. Hmm. So there's equal power in that. Sometimes more, depends on what it is.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. I, mean, I think it all depends on you know, who are we trying to reach? Right. Who do we want them yeah. to feel? Where are they in the moment that they're going to feel it? And then figuring out what that form is that it needs to take. Whether it's long form, short form, mm-hmm. whether it's video, whether it's photography or all of the above, sometimes it needs, you know, the series we're working on now, it's all of the above. Yeah. There are a ton of elements that are coming together for that campaign.
1: I'm jealous of designers all the time because it's like designers get to have, it's one frame, it never moves. I can make it as perfect as, I, as it can absolutely be. And in my life, I get 24 of those frames, if not more, a second. Designers, ba- bunch of babies. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's what people say barking. about
2: directors, right?
1: We're all babies.
2: We call you creative geniuses.
1: Oh, that's nice. I uh, early on you mentioned Mary from Think Think Media Studios earlier on, and she's. When she joined our team, she was sort of outside the industry. Um, yeah. You know, not necessarily in video production or, or the ad business at all, but she's, you know, as you know, Charlene, whip smart and in a quick study and really great at what she does. And, and you know, a couple months in, she was having a hard time understanding personality peccadilloes and attitudes within our organization. And I kind of sit her down and be like, listen, you have to understand. The vast majority of us are a bunch of emotional babies that our egos are fragile. We're sometimes difficult to deal with. We're going to ask you for stuff that you have no idea why we're asking you for it. And it's just because we're odd creatures. It's part of why we, why we all do this. We're, you know, it's like the Island of Misfit Toys sometimes.
2: Creative genius. That's what we'll go with.
1: Okay. That's fine.
0: How has Think had to pivot during these troubling times, these mm. COVID times, these, all the mm. cliches above?
1: Sure. I mean, just like everybody else, you know, we immediately went work from home, you know, from uh, so that's the biggest pivot, right? You know, we've all, we've all had, I, I would say, you know, there, there's, the, there's the work environment pivot that we've all had to do, those, uh-huh. of, us are, those of us that are being responsible twist included then there's the what do you do we haven't had to pivot much in terms of you know getting work Uh, yeah you know it's been it's been weird kind of fits and starts but we've luckily been relatively undamaged from that from that part of it you know and there's a bunch of requests for things like you know I I haven't done a lot of in-person interviews For things, which is fine. It becomes a lot of Zoom stuff. And then the biggest pivot is how we safely operate in a production environment. That's been the biggest pivot for us, has been how do we do, you know, what we do is we go out in the field not 100% of the time, you know, I'm excluding motion graphics based projects and animated projects where you don't have to go in the field and gather footage. But the biggest pivot for us has been how do you do the production side of this safely and it's hard, you know, but we, we've instituted a ton of protocols and processes. We have turned down work that we did not think we could execute safely. Um, one of the saving you know, we're talking right now, it's September. So we're coming, we're coming into fall. We've been able to work outside a lot, you know, that's going to end here pretty, pretty soon come around Thanksgiving time. I, except for you know when it absolutely needs to happen, so I think that's going to be the big the, you know the fall and the winter this year are going to be a little different. But probably the biggest pivot for us we're like moving moving to a work from home environment. I've been working in my attic and uh, production production's hard. It's just hard.
2: Are you having clients on set with you or no? Is it pretty yeah. limited? Yeah, that, and that's
1: the conversation that we have. We say you know part of part of the the new protocol is having as few bodies on set as you can possibly have, you know, and that, mm-hmm. and that extends in all areas. And it's been interesting, Charlene, like most clients are surprised that we're, that we're even asking that question because their assumption is that they're not welcome.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, they're,
1: and, and by and large, most of them have have, inst- have started that conversation themselves and said, you know, can we be on set? And if so, how many of us can be? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and our, our response, and it depend, it's very situational. If we're working outside, I feel a whole heck of a lot better about having, you know, a three person client on. Yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. Indoors, different story. Right. You know, let's, if, if you know, it dep- depending on the shoot, I kind of want a client there just so they can sign off on what I'm doing. And there's yeah, a right. number of ways to do that. Like we've remote, we've zoomed clients into set and had them just be there. It's a weird floating head that's living on a laptop that, you know, a producer or someone like Charlene's mm-hmm. got to go consult with every now and then and say, do you like what you're seeing?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, but yeah, that's, a, that, you know, the, like the name of the game is only essential bodies can be on set. Oh, that's great. And and only in only in environments where we can distance and be safe, <clears throat> you know, and the the saving grace is as this thing has gone along, the scientists have done what they do and learned what they need to learn so that we can ha- have a, be much more informed than we were on the front end on the things that we can do to make sure that people are safe, so it's things like you know investing in extra k ninety five masks when you know that you know, you're going to be indoors and things like that, rather than just saying, oh, you know, the double-sided cloth mask is enough. Sometimes that is enough. Sometimes it's not.
0: I got one more question for you, actually, too. Unless Charlene has something else. You have something you want to talk about? Okay. Listen, Charlene's got book club, y'all. This is very like...
1: Psh- it's-
2: What's the book? It's Ad Week Mentor Book Club, first of all. Second of all, it's Radical Candor, the book. Ad week is the
0: longest, going on for a while.
2: Yeah, it's a long week. Well, it's not brand week; it's ad week. Brand week was last week. No, I don't have any other questions except for I would like to be back on set again. But other than that,
0: when it's all said and done, and the camera is turned off, how do you want your work, or how do you want to be remembered in this industry?
1: Mm. Wow, am I retiring? Is there something I should know?
2: (laughs) <laughs> were we just talking about retiring?
1: Yeah, we were. Um, uh, yeah, give me a second, Tyler. That's a, that's a,
0: that's some like, It's New that York actor's Times studio ob- shit.
1: Yeah, that's some New York Times obituary shit. Or, I always liked Esquire Magazine, which still exists, I think. Mm-hmm. Always had a great uh, uh, one pager that they would take a, a, a famous person and, and it was just called What I've Learned. Uh, it was just one-liners about things they've learned in their life. That was always that's really amazing. Cool. Yeah. Oprah I mean, has,
2: Oprah has that too. Oprah has that too. It's called...
1: Well, she, she definitely copped it from Esquire, no. but that's okay.
2: It's what I know for sure is what Oprah calls it. Got it. Um, I think... I that like 20 years ago.
1: Yeah, I think for me, it's like just enough to be remembered. If uh, if I, if I, I for, So for work-wise... You know, I'm very passionate about people that are less fortunate. So I would, I would uh, want to be remembered as somebody who did everything they could within this thing that they do to help people who perhaps didn't have a voice. I think that would be meaningful to me if I'm speaking from the grave or whatever. <laughs> um, I think that. I think that's probably all I could ask. Because that's, that is something that is very important to me. Like I do this thing for money, I do a lot of it for brands and I care very deeply about that work. But I also feel a certain sense of um, responsibility to take this thing that I know how to do and use it to support causes and people that I think would not otherwise be able to have that opportunity to have their voice elevated in the way that video can.
0: What's the first film that comes to your head right now?
1: Uh, Nightcrawler, I have no idea why.